Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. Today, I have Teron Tidwell, a friend of mine who is a financial advisor and works not exclusively, but spends a lot of his time working with professional athletes from the New York City and Philadelphia areas. Teron gets into what some of the pitfalls are for athletes, why they fall into these uh, pitfalls, I guess, and some of the things that they could do better, and really just how he speaks with and spends time with his clients, understanding that they have a very unique circumstance and a unique set of needs that he then has to execute on. So it's a very interesting conversation to hear what someone on the money management side with athletes does. So here you go and enjoy this episode with Tehran. Killer, man. And where where are you right now? I hear a little bit of background noise. Nothing crazy. Everything's fine. I'm just curious. Is it yeah. Starbucks, McDonald's? I'm actually at a Panera Bread. Oh, uh, my favorite. I was wrapping up a meeting um, before this, so I said, hey, you know, have a few minutes, jump on, <clears throat> check out a couple of things, and now I'm on here to, to chat with my good buddy, Mike. Love it, man. Love it. Well, today we have Teron Tidwell on. Um, Teron Tidwell, that's how you say your name, correct? I don't want to butcher it. Correct. Okay, correct. cool. That's one thing. I mean, names are names are pretty important. I don't want to. I want to make sure I get them right at least. Um, so Teron is a vice president at Hudson Point Capital, uh, where he helps uh, individuals, including athletes, with um, some finance and some uh, financial advising. I, I found all these firms have their different kind of little spin on it: financial representative, advisor, whatever you want to call it. But you're a good guy. You're helping good people, and it sounds like a lot of fun. So. Um, you know, Teron, I guess we'll start there. I mean, first, where does your love of sports come from? Uh, I, would, I would say I think most people's love of sports happens when they are a kid or teenager. Typically, you know, if you have a parent in the house, your dad is in the house, um, he, whatever team he's cheering for, more than likely, you're probably going to fall in line with that or you're going to fall in line with the opposite to go against him. But, you know, your love of sports typically comes from uh, that point at a young age, um, you started finding out what you like, what sports you don't like, um, depending on, you know, what sports you are involved in as a kid. You know, um, I know, you know, from having my son and uh, myself, you know, you put kids, you know, in a lot of different sports. Uh, because for, for one, a lot of times, you know, they may want to play this and then they get bored with that and then they want to move on to this and then they get bored with that. And before you know it, as a parent, you already realize how much money you've spent. <laughs> and the kids, though, you know, they don't care. They they have no idea about it. But uh, their thing is, hey, listen, this is what I want to do. And, you know, so your thing uh, is just to support them. And I think that's kind of like where it actually starts from as a child. And then you develop into what it is that you actually do love. Um, you may not be good at it. You may be great at it. You never know. But um, I think that's typically where it typically starts at. That makes sense. And uh, so, so I guess for you, what um, did you root with your dad or did you root against your dad? Yeah. Um, no, no, I, I rooted with my dad. Uh, my, my dad was, uh, he actually moved to, to New Jersey back in the 80s, 1980. And uh, at first I was kind of a Dallas Cowboys fan. 
please don't tell my Dallas people that. <laughs> but um, I guess uh, when we became attached to New Jersey, uh, I fell in love with the New York Giants and um, I, I just came on board with them at the right time when they had LT and all those guys developing, Phil Sims and all those great guys that was playing. And um, so, you know, hearing my dad, hearing, you know, seeing him cheer for them and everything, that was one thing that I um, fell in love with. And then, of course, I have uh, six brothers. So, you know, everybody always says I'm kind of like a, a basketball team and everything. So we was always playing sports. You know, everyone in the neighborhood would actually come around to our house. Uh, we had a park right across the street from us. And every day, basically, you know, we were out there playing, you know, football or, or kickball or whatever case. So my love for sports has basically come, you know, from from the, the perspective of a, of a young kid growing up and, you know, uh, develop over time. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, it's 100% same thing for me. I mean, I grew up playing uh, baseball, soccer, and basketball pretty much immediately. Um, soccer was the first to go. I mean, running is cool, but constant running is just not for me. Uh, basketball, at least there's some defense and there's some stopping. So I played that for a little while, probably into about eighth grade. Um, but baseball, my one true love, man. Don't my don't tell my girlfriend, but it's it's my favorite thing on planet Earth. I love it so much. Uh, unfortunately, I'm a Mets fan, so that means I'm never happy but I still do love it. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I totally agree. Like for, for whatever reason, I grew up in a very atypical household. So both of my parents are from New Jersey. They went to the same grade school. They were in the same fourth grade class. Um, but my mom's a Dolphins fan and my dad's a San Diego Chargers fan or LA Chargers fan now. So it's, it's just kind of funny how, you know, growing up in that household, my mom was a Mets fan and her mom was a Mets fan. So that's kind of where that, the lineage came from, but having, it's upset again. Is your dad a Yankee fan? No, he hates baseball. That's the funniest oh. part. So I was, yeah, there was nothing really to go on that end. Um, but, you know, with, with my mom being a Dolphins fan and my dad being a Chargers fan, they didn't really like, they didn't really like force or, or really like care if I was one of those fans. And being here in the New York area, um, you know, obviously the Giants went to the Super Bowl, I think in 2099, whatever season that was. So that's kind of when I was like, oh, cool, the Giants, they're good. I like them. I mean, what kid doesn't like a team that that's good? So, um, yeah, I think it was a combination of them being local and good at like the perfect time that made me a Giants fan. And now, um, recently they've been pretty terrible too, but we've had a couple good runs and you know, I can, I can rest my hat on that. My uncle's a Vikings fan. So I mean, shoot, like he, uh, he's never been happy in his entire life. So at least I got a couple times I'm much younger than he is, which makes life a little easier. Um, so it's kind of funny, uh, you know, rolling from that. I mean, everybody, you know, that I get on here, I want to ask them where their love of sports comes from because nine times out of 10, the people I'm talking to, they're either athletes or they work in the sports industry in some capacity. And one thing that I think is really funny is the sports industry is exactly that. It's an industry, right? You can do marketing, you can do, um, you know, sponsorship sales. That's what I do. You could do finance. That's what you do. So it's always funny talking to younger people or, or even older people that are like, Hey, I want to work in sports. Well, dude, like you can do a lot of things and work in sports. So I'm, I'm curious what, um, you know, what exactly led you to want to work in the sports industry in general before we kind of go down uh, to exactly what you do with these athletes? Uh, sure. Um, you know what? I, I guess, like I say, going back to a kid, um, you know, just being into sports, and then getting into high school, playing sports, but I was never – the athlete <laughs> me neither you know it was like good enough to play uh, have a great time with it and everything but i love I, I think i just love the team spirit the team atmosphere working together as a team um you know you may be the other dog and and working hard to to get on top 
so that has always developed my love of, of sports and then uh, transitioning from that to college and, and things on, knowing that I would never be the athlete, uh, but knowing that, you know, there are other avenues to be a part of uh, the sports industry, as you said, you know, there's so many uh avenues and different perspectives that you can take on sports you know people tend to think that you know sports oh it, it, you just have to be in front of the camera or on the field and that's not the truth you know there's so many avenues um that people probably don't even really think about you know out, outside of the typical athlete or the agent or you know a coach um you know um, espn Right. Yeah. As you said, in front of the camera, like that was what I wanted to do uh, when I was growing up. I was like, if I could work for ESPN, I'm it. And now obviously got a little bit older and understand that maybe that's not exactly what I want to do. But I, I totally agree. I mean, there's so many things behind the scenes that you can do um, and still be connected as, as you kind of alluded to being connected to the team, either a specific team or just sports in general. I mean, wouldn't you rather be doing finance with athletes than finance with, I don't know, pick a random industry that you don't care as much about, right? Well, you know, I, I, I feel them both as the same, but I think the athlete aspect um, is just something, it just gives me a little bit more touch because it's something that I truly enjoy that you can relate to them all the way. Um, let's just say if I'm sitting down with the engineer, you know, you're talking about finances and things of that nature, but I don't know engineering. You know, I can't talk specs and this and that with them. Whereas an athlete, you know, we understand, you know, the gym. We understand plays, different things. You know, I can say, hey, listen, why you didn't catch that X and O? Or, you know, so it's so much more that you can actually uh, engage with them on. Not saying I couldn't do that with the engineer, but as far as his job is concerned, I'm very limited in that capacity on, on the relatable side. But with an athlete, you know, um, you can talk a little bit much more about that on that end. So, I, I, you know, I would say that's why um, I definitely, you know, I, I don't want to put one above the other, but. It's, it's just that one you can have a little bit more better conversation with. Absolutely. And, and I, I agree 100%. I mean, that's why I wanted to work in this industry in some capacity. That's why I network a lot within this industry because it's very easy to say, hey, did you watch Patrick Mahomes light it up yesterday? Like, that was a blast. And I'm glad I got to watch it. I sat on the couch. And it's just a very genuine, very authentic conversation I can have that, hey, if it leads somewhere, it does. If not, I mean, shoot, at least we got to talk about sports, right? I'd rather do that than not do that. So it's always a great uh, conversation starter. You can go into yeah. any place, not know a single person, but you can bring up something to sports and get a conversation going easily. You know, whereas if you're sitting down talking about going to an engineering network and you don't know anything so much about engineering it's kind of hard to just go in here and talk off you know the top of the head about something that they would know uh, to really dig into and really start a conversation so you know sports sports is universal i completely yeah man I, i've been in those engineering i've tried to network with engineers before turns out it quickly found out it's not quite not for me uh so so happy happy you can still do your thing man um so you know obviously Toronto, i want to talk a little bit about we don't have, i know we're not allowed to talk specifically about the athletes that you work with obviously you're a guy in finance we can't be disclosing athletes um and i'm not even gonna ask about the teams unless you want to bring some of them up no i'm kidding but um you know i'm just kind of curious like with as you said you were you you help out both engineers you help out you know, business owners, executives, but you also help out athletes, I guess what, um, when you help these athletes with their expenses, I mean, what other than the, Hey, did you see Patrick Mahomes conversation? What are some of the other things that you're actually paying attention to and, and thinking about 
understanding, you know, taking into account their career longevity, you know, what, what their career could be afterwards. Like, what are some of these things that you think about when you finally meet one of these athletes to give them an understanding that, they, that you know, you know, you're, you're here to help them at all costs? Definitely. It's really, it's really just getting an understanding about a lifestyle, their lifestyle. Um, and you're letting them know and you're also letting their family know because that's a huge part uh, of a pro athlete is, is the lifestyle and that their lifestyle is basically <clears throat> 10 times faster than the regular person. You know, I tell most guys, you know, you're going to be retired before I am. So, um, you know, as most people would tell you, the NFL stands for not for long. Uh, it, their careers are typically about 3.3 years. Uh, NBA, I believe, is uh, 4.7 years. Um, so, you know, most people don't, unfortunately, won't have the longevity of a LeBron or a Michael Jordan or those type of guys where they have a 10-plus year career. Um, so, you know, when you're getting with them, getting to know them and everything, it's, it's basically getting to know and understand uh, a lifestyle and understanding that, hey, listen, you know, um, this is great. This is what's going to get you uh, into other doors and to open up uh, other opportunities. Uh, but we also have to think about what's next, you know, almost almost immediately as, as far as coming into a league. You know, you're almost basically setting the groundwork for, okay, well, what are you going to do afterwards? Because mm -hmm. um, the career is just not as long. Um, even 10 years, even 10, you think about it, 10 years is not a very long time as far as a career is concerned. And then what is next? You know, are you looking at going to broadcast? Do you love to speak? You know, uh, are you looking to, uh, to, to go into doing a joint venture or do a business or things of that nature? So you start having those type of conversations. Um, where you're actually sitting down and having them start understanding even the financial literacy, just basic things. Um, because you have to remember, too, and I tell people all the time, you can't afford these guys because they're still most times kids. You know, they're kids coming out of school. And if you give any teenager, I don't care who it is, you know, a bunch of money, they're going to do, you know, dumb things because that's what kids do. You know, so a lot of times people could be judgmental, but you had, you've had time to grow and learn from mistakes that they haven't had. And they actually have to learn at a much faster pace than what you had to uh, do. Because, you know, okay, you mess up in your 20s and 30s, you could still, you know, recover, come back 40s, 50s, 60s. Whereas if they mess up in their 20s, between 20 to 25, basically, that could, that's basically it. So, you know, it's really getting the, the, the gist of it down and, and helping them to, to see the bigger picture and, um, and hopefully that they want to, you know, um, steer clear of the typical pitfalls that some of these guys may see. Absolutely. And I do want to hear those pitfalls, but I'll bring that up last. I mean, you know, just a couple things that you said that, you know, bear being repeated. I mean, think about it. You know, the, say the average NBA player is in the league for 4.57 years. We'll round it up to five. They get in the league at 20. By 25, they're already retired. Yeah, they might have made a couple million dollars or a couple, you know, $100,000 at that point. But, you know, what 40 to 50-year-old person listening you know, if, if you had a million dollars at 25, obviously half of it goes to the government. Let's just start right there. Um, and then understanding, you know, I've, many of these people don't come from the best situations. You want to help your mom out. You want to do many different things. Uh, that money goes quick, man. That money goes real quick. And then by 25, poof, it's gone. Like that gravy train's over. And, uh, you know, obviously that's, that's one of the unfortunate aspects of sports. Um, 
and and a lot again you know we you spoke about the lebrons and the you know i the Kobe Bryant's and the, you know, Tom Brady's, they are the absolute exception to the rule. Like they are not the rule. They are the exception to the rule. And we all look at their contracts and we say, Oh my gosh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to make $200 million. Cause I saw something along those lines come out the other day and he's well deserving of it. But you know, I don't know too many people, you know, there's a couple guys in their secondary that are not making a million dollars a year. Right. So like the discrepancy is huge and we all focus on the people that we a see the most, right? Cause that's, that's just how it works. And then we notice how much money they make. So we all think that they're, you know, overpaid. I mean, if you're in the NFL for 3.3 years and you make a million dollars a year, that's great. Well, again, you're 25, you're 24 and okay. Now that that's all the money you're making from the NFL. Um, you know, so hopefully it is, you know, you can figure it out and, and obviously with people like you to actually help and be a good person. Um, I also thought it was great, you know, talking about how, uh, you know, what are you trying to do afterwards? Because, you know, that's the most important part. What if, at, you know, let's say someone has a great career. They're in the NBA for 10 years. They get in at 21. All right, you're 31 and you're already retired. I mean, I'm 28 and I'm barely hitting my stride now. Like, I want to see how great I'm going to be in three years. And then you're going to tell me, oh, nope, it's all cut off. Like, no, I mean, I can, you and I can work and get better and better our entire careers at something because it's not, a biology isn't going to say, hey, Tehran, sorry, you can't do finance anymore. Um, you know, so there's so many different factors. But uh, the last point that you brought up, those pitfalls, what are some of these common things that you have seen, not even particularly in athletes that you work with, and hopefully you, you, you get them young enough that they don't hit them, but what are some of the most common pitfalls that you see in athletes where, yes, they make a couple million dollars, but it, it can go very, very quickly? Um, yeah, typically, I mean, a lot of pitfalls, of course, listen, from a guy's perspective, all guys like cars, you know, so guys are going to get cars, um, but that's to be expected, and you plan for that, you know, because you don't want to be too tight on guys, you know, if you have a young teenager's son, you know, when he gets, typically, I believe, around, most states is around 16, 17, they want a driver's license, and they want their car, that's acceptable, but then we're talking about if you're getting 10 cars, then that's when it becomes a problem. Um, but I would say one of the biggest pitfalls, I think, is um, is, is family, is their family. Um, because here's the thing, total, you know, most guys, they understand people are always going to be asking them for something. Strangers, you know, as soon as they meet you, their defense is up, is, you know, what do you want from me? What do you, you know, what are you trying to get from me? Okay, um, but with family, it's a little bit different because, um, you know, some people might have taken care of you while you were a child, you know, you have some some close friends uh, of the family and they, they bring up things, hey, remember when I used to do this for you and I used to do that or, used to, you know, you know, they do flashback memories and then some guys feel uh, the pressure of taking care of everyone or bringing them along, so to speak, on this journey of theirs because they want to surround themselves with uh, people that they know, um, but not necessarily are they always in their best interest. And so um, I tell people a lot of times, it's not really just talking to the athlete, but it's actually sometimes talking with them and their immediate family because money has changed the diagram or the, the, the picture uh, for them. Uh, so they need to start understanding that, you know, the athlete is not there to be the bank for everyone else. You know, because after he retires, he has to, um, you know, take care of his family, maintain his lifestyle and, and different things as well. And so you, you kind of go into a situation of, um, where you're not 
just giving them money or something, but you're actually maybe facilitating, you know, college education, um, uh, helping them with a, a job or whatever case that's gonna, you know, the old saying, you know, if you're just giving them money, basically, you're never teaching them how to fish for themselves. And so, you know, that's one of the, the, the big, uh, big things that I've seen. Um, also, I sometimes I tell guys or I've seen guys do a lot of ego investing. Um, what is ego investing? I say basically guys want their names to the spotlight. So they're chasing a lot of different things in entertainment or, or you know, sports world or whatever the case that, you know, they can still be praised and things of that nature. And that's all great, um, but it shouldn't come at a cost to you. Um, uh, just to just to be out there, um, you know, we've seen, we've heard the horror stories of, of uh, athletes, you know, putting so many millions of dollars into something and it's not working out and then goes goes up, you know, or goes down, so to speak. And now um, they they've been kind of reduced to ashes. Um, so that's a huge uh, another thing. Um, another one, divorce. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe like seventy percent of these guys would be divorced after they stop playing. Um, so uh, that and uh, having a bunch of children, you know, uh, out, you know, uh, separate different baby moms or whatever the case may be. Um, because if you're in the NFL, you're in the NBA, you're in the Major League Baseball, um, your career, let's say five years or 10 years, uh, okay, that's great. But remember, most of those children will be taken care of to, you know, 18, depending if you're in the state of New Jersey, I believe it's up to 24 while they're in college. Um, so even after the check stop from your plan, you're still, you know, at a certain level of, uh, of, of, of paying child support, which is why you see so many athletes looking to try to get their uh, child support reduced and enrolled and things of that nature. So those are just a few. Uh, examples of some of the, the things that we've uh, seen guys um, suffer as pitfalls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can see how, I mean, all of those things. Now, I'm not one to try and comment on somebody's family or, uh, you know, anything like that. But obviously, um, you know, you, you pick your you pick your friends, uh, your family's chosen for you. So it's one of those opportunities where, of course, you want to give back. Everybody, I, I, almost every single person I've met tries to be a good person in some way, shape, or form. And, and that's where it's coming from, right? It's coming from their heart. It's coming from them being good people. And the problem is a lot of the guys, you know, they don't see the fact that, hey, like this might end next year. You know, you can get an injury and your career is completely derailed. Um, if you're in a sport like football, like at least in basketball and baseball, the contracts are almost fully guaranteed. Hockey, again, the same thing. Unless it says it's not fully guaranteed, it's fully guaranteed. Football, I mean, you can be, uh, you can make $10 million one year and then be just cut and make nothing the next year after that. So that especially I can see. And so from your point of view, sitting across the table from a lot of these athletes, how do you have these conversations? Understanding you even brought it up, ego, um, ego investing. How do you have those conversations and getting them to understand like, hey, like I am here for your best interests, but at the same time, you have to understand that you can't do all these things. Um, you have to make sure that you're aware of what's going on because once you're aware of something, it's a lot easier to say no to it, right? So what, how do you have these conversations with some of the most competitive, egotistical people that you, know, you and I might ever meet in our entire lives? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I think the first thing from a, a, a advisor perspective is that you have to make sure that you don't get so caught up in the, the uh, personality 
of that person or, or the, you know who the person is uh, because yeah you could become overwhelmed as well you know i, I mean i've never uh, had a jordan but imagine you sitting down with a jordan and you're trying to tell this guy um, hey listen you don't want to be doing this or spending money on that and, you know um so you gotta just have to make sure that you're able to be in that, that place um, that where you know, say, hey, listen, I, I just don't think this is in your best interest. Um, this is what you brought me on board for. And a lot of times, you know, provide, some advisors are scared to speak up because, they, hey, listen, if I say the wrong thing, you know, I can be cut just like, the, you know, anybody else that's working for him. Um, so you may have some guys that may not say no. Um, and a lot of times it really it may, it may not be about saying no to them. It may be about... Um, putting it, making it relatable to a goal and saying, hey, listen, okay, well, this is what you want to do. You want to buy this car or whatever. Like, let's see if, um, you know, we can get so, so many touchdowns or whatever or, or get this or that. You try to delay it and attach it to a goal down the road. So if they achieve that, then, hey, listen, go out and reward yourself on that. Um, so that may be, that's one way to get around the, the, the idea of really kind of saying no, so to speak, um, but just trying to delay the, uh, the idea, um, and hopefully, you know, um, it will be tied to something that they achieve. And then, hey, okay, well, now it makes sense we can go out and, and we can do that. Um, but you know, a lot of times, though, especially you know, kids coming out of college or whatever, you're still talking to a young kid, um, and that's that's the big thing. You know, you're still so it's it's trying to be relatable to them because you know, in the world that in the world that they're coming from. Uh, unfortunately, it's not always the best examples that they're seeing, and so they want to imitate what they're seeing, you know, from from the neighborhoods that they're coming from. And so, why why can't I do that? Or you know, why can't I do this or that? So, um, it's really just trying to relate to them, make them, um, not make them, but just have mm-hmm. them understand, you know, the bigger picture, so to speak. And you know, just like you know, my teenage son, well, he's not a teenager anymore; he's a grown man now. But um, you know. Some are gonna listen. Some gonna some gonna hear some parts. They may hear you. Doesn't mean necessarily they're gonna do it. But um, oh, I, I heard you. you know, I hear you. you know. I heard you. But were you actually listening? Right. I mean, that's that's that little caveat there. Um, but you make a great point. I mean, I mean, honestly, for anybody listening, Ty, you know you know, quote unquote, presence to yourself to a goal. I mean, it's a great way to do it with an athlete because it's something very easily, um, you know, if this, then that. But I think for, for, you know, us regular people out here as well. I mean, many of the things like sometimes I see something that I really want to buy. Well, all right, how many sales do I have to make to get there monetarily? Um, and then I can go get it, right? So that's, I mean, I, there's I'm not really materialistic. There's not too many things I really like, um, but... Or using that example, it may actually change your mind by the time you achieve it, by the time you make that, that sale go. You're like, oh, you know what? I spent too much time, too many hours on that, and I don't even want that now. Yep. Do I really need that watch? Like, is it is it is it worth X hours? Is it worth X phone calls, emails, all that all that app? You know, so that that's a really good point too. You know, hopefully that kind of puts it in perspective, especially with a lot of people um, wanting something now. And if you can kind of just delay that gratification a little bit, as you said, like maybe by the time you get there, oh shit, actually I don't even want it anymore. Like whatever, don't really need it anyway. So yeah, I used to do that with my son all the time. Of course, you know. Him growing up, we used to always get him Jordans and everything. Then when he was able to be a teenager and work, okay, now he, the shoe was on the other foot. He had to go out there and work as many hours and everything. And then he started understanding, hold up, I just worked, you know, a whole two weeks 
and you mean to tell me I'm gonna blow my whole paycheck on a pair of Jordans? You know, now it, you know the Jordans doesn't isn't that significant to him as much because he rather have his money. You know? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a, that's exactly exactly the point you're making, and I love it. Just you know, comparing it to the, the you know, you work a ten hour uh, ten dollar an hour job, you want to buy a pair of two hundred dollar sneakers. Uh, is it really worth all of that time just for those sneakers? I mean, they all do the same thing, right? I mean, buy yourself a nice pair of sneakers, but yeah, really, do you need that much? So that's a really great point. Um, and you know, I really like how you speak to the athletes and actually just get them to understand. Again, you're, you're speaking to athletes, you're speaking to people that we know and we've heard their names and we're in awe of. But at the same time, as you said, some of them are 21, 22 years old. Like, well, how much dumb stuff did you do when you were 22? Like, hand up. I did a couple things that I, I don't quite regret, but I don't, would definitely would not do right now at 28. So, uh, no, 100%, man. I think that that's great. Um, and, and again, you know, going back to the other side of it, um, you know, we, we brought this up before. I'm just kind of curious uh, some more of your thoughts. Again, we, we hear and see the biggest numbers out there. We don't hear that the, you know, the, the gunner on special teams makes $400,000 a year and he's only going to be in the league for two and a half years, right? Like, so that guy might pull in a million dollars if he's lucky. Um, with the athletes that you work with, um, how, how have you, do, you, do you see that difference in somebody that really doesn't make that much money um, compared to someone that does make an exorbitant amount? And, and how much do those guys aspire the, the, the gentlemen and, and the women that make less money, how much do they try and aspire to those above them and try and act a lot like them as well? How, how often does that happen? And again, how do you kind of pull those reins back in? Yeah. Um, oftentimes that can happen a lot. Um, guys just come into the league, they see the veterans, you know, um, they, they may be on their second. Yeah. As you were saying before, like, when you see something, I mean, that's human nature, right? Like if I see my dad doing something, that's how we started the conversation. You, you see your dad rooting for a team. You want to root for him too. You're going to try and emulate other people. Um, so that, that's a great point. Look at that. All comes full circle, man. Either that or, um, you know, you might, uh, let's just say a guy in the fifth round versus a guy in the first round. He has to understand that he can't do the same thing that the guy in the first round is doing. The economics is just there. It just can't be supported. Um, but unfortunately, you will have a lot of guys that extend themselves to try to um, to do exactly that. And so, you know, you have to have that conversation and say, hey, listen, you know, um, you know, once again, the late gratification, you know, okay, we can possibly do that, but let's look at maybe doing that on the second contract. Right now, you're just getting in. You have to make sure that you make it to the next contract. If you don't make it to the next contract, none of that of this, uh, matters. So, um, you know, it's really just trying to open their eyes, change their perspective, um, and, and, and make sure that they understand, you know, listen, life is not fair. Everyone is not going to be on the same level. You know, everyone is not going to um, be the, the star, you know, be recognizable, um, especially in football. You know, everyone walks around with a helmet on, you know, so if you're not getting those commercials and things of that nature, um, then you're not getting the same income, you're not getting the same type of uh, attention. But, um, you know, it, once again, a lot of times it goes to ego as well. Um, so you just have to have those conversations and try to um, rationalize with guys and say, listen, you know, um, you know, at some point in your career, you will you'll get there. You know, but you just can't come in right out the gate trying to compete with them. And sometimes guys at the, sometimes guys at the top, they will put pressure on guys. Hey, you know, what are you doing? You know, you should, you should be balling and this and that. But um, you just can't fall prey to that because you're not in the same like, category or level as that. You know, and you want to, you know, 
play for the long haul. You know, this is not a, you know, uh, one day in, um, one day out. You want to play for the long term, so to speak. Exactly. And, you know, you make a great point. The first contract, um, that's that's not what we're here for, right? Like, yeah, you'll make money, again, depending on where you're drafted, of course. Um, but if you can make it to the second contract in just about any sport, uh, football, other than like those high first rounders that end up being a little busty, I mean, just about every other sport in basketball, they're coming out, what, making two, three million dollars a year. And, you know, the average contract in basketball just has skyrocketed recently because of the salary cap and, and well-deserved. I want all the players to make all the money. You know, I'm on that bandwagon. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. You have to understand you can't come out guns blazing if you're a fifth round, um, you know, safety compared to, you know, Kyler Murray that was drafted number one overall. Um, one story, again, being a Giants fan that I always love is when, when Saquon Barkley came out. And I can't remember the exact order, but, you know, he, he either saved all his money from the contract and is immediately putting it away and is only living on endorsements or vice versa. First, I can't remember, um, but I just think, I mean, again, not everyone's in his situation. Not everyone was drafted number two overall to one of the most iconic franchises. Me not just saying that because I'm a fan, but I mean, in one of the biggest markets in the entire world. Um, so obviously, that's, again, that's an exception to the rule, but at least he had the wherewithal and the awareness to say, hey, like, I can do this. I'm going to get that Campbell Soup commercial because I'm a New York Giant and they want somebody like me, you know? So being able to do that is not in everyone's situation, but if that opportunity arises, you do have to, again, have the awareness to understand, hey, this is, you know, if I could take the $30 million over four, you know, 40 million over five and put that away, think I'll be all right for the rest of my life. But if I'm also getting these, this endorsement money, uh, that helps a lot too, right? But again, not everybody can be Saquon Barkley. Not everybody can be Barry Sanders and just a little bit different, right? And it's definitely different for football. Um, you have to understand, you know, um, most guys are not making millions of dollars a year in football um, versus basketball where even, you know, the bottom guy, you know, he's coming out at least making $3 million, you know, Football, I believe, is roughly around like four hundred, you know, five hundred thousand. Um, so you got to look at they have to utilize that over a four-year period of time. Hopefully, um, they will be there for that next contract and everything. Versus where you're saying um, Barkley, you know, you're getting thirty million. You know, he 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 has more to, to work with and plan with and things of that nature. Versus, let's say, the guy that's on a practice squad, you know, and he's getting five thousand a week. You know, um, a lot of guys are not just making that type of money. We only hear about, you know, a, you know, a guy came out of college, he signed a $3 million deal, but he's not getting the whole $3 million. You know, that's over if he stays with the team and through the whole contract thing, you know, it's different things. So um, sometimes people read that on the, uh, the Internet and think, oh, my God, I just got $3 million, $5 million, whatever case, and just think that now he's supposed to be there to support them or do whatever. Uh, he's the money tree, so to speak, you know. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Again, this the comparisons. I mean, football – is very clearly the most popular sport here in America. Um, and the fact that they don't have guaranteed contracts and they can be cut immediately without getting paid anything. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's an argument that that's a topic of conversation for, uh, for a different guest, but, uh, you know, having you on, it has been a lot of fun. So I guess my last question to you is how do you go about finding these athletes? Now, again, we live in New Jersey, which, okay. So you have two football teams, three hockey teams, 
um, you know, a couple basketball teams. And if you go not too far down south, you get Philadelphia where it has one of everything as well. So I would say this is a pretty great area to find athletes. But I mean, how do you go about that? I mean, obviously, it's a lot of networking, but there has to be a huge amount of trust between you and whoever is introducing you to them. Correct. So what, what are some of the things that you've done that maybe people that are, you know, coming up in finance that might be interested as well. And in working with athletes, what are some of the ways you kind of go about finding your clientele? Definitely. Um, it's a very doggy dog world. It's a very uh, tough business. Um, it's a lot of networking, building, building with uh, those who've been in the business. Um, and especially as far as the finance concern, you know, uh, I'm going up against bigger guys who've been, you know, their, their institutions have been around for years. And so it's almost like a family tree or, you know, a family generation who built their names through the years. Um, so one of the ways that I've gone about it is actually um, building with different insurance people, um, getting out there, different guys who may be around the players a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm attending a lot of different events, uh, speaking on different panels, uh, like you said, being at sports conferences, things of that nature, um, to build those relationships and to, to uh to build the trust because that's the that's the biggest thing you know guys have to be able to trust you and if someone um someone could just refer you just because of that trust and those guys will trust you because you know they've been put into they feel capable hands uh by someone that they trust uh so um that's i would say that's kind of how, how i go about it and you know sometimes i'll just reach out to guys now social media has made it so much easier as well that you can reach out to guys not all will engage you right off the top or whatever the case may be um but it's much more simpler now than back in the day when there was no social media to, to be able to reach out to even a star or whatever or whoever um so that has made it that much more easier now and hey, man, it's clearly working. I mean, look how far I got you. You're hanging out on a Monday afternoon with me, right? So clearly you're hitting great places. Now, uh, Teron, this was awesome. Thank you so much. You answered all my questions. Uh, again, Vice President of Hudson Point Capital. Really cool dude, Teron. Please send me all your information that you want people to see. Um, that way I can put it in the show notes and everyone can uh, maybe reach out to you in case there's a couple athletes out there listening saying, hey, he's a really nice guy and I want to give him some money. I think it'd be worth your time, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, most likely. And um, also, by the way, the young guy, the uh, boxer guy I put you in touch with, I think he's going to be turning pro very soon. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be on the Olympic team or not, but, uh, you know. Things, Amen. Things you never know. Yeah, he was awesome. His dad was awesome. We had some great conversations. Um, so that that's fantastic. And thank you again for that. And hopefully definitely. a couple of the introductions I've made uh, and hopefully a couple more that will be coming down the pipeline. I'm confident of it. So, uh, Teron, this was awesome. Thank you so much, man. Not a problem. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of For the Love of Sports. Um, on a personal note, I would really like to say thank you and, and sincerely, sincerely mean that. This is the actual favorite thing that I get to do. Just talk to incredible people, have great conversations, and I learn, and hopefully you're learning something, and hopefully we can laugh along the way. So if you could, please give this a five-star review. If you could, please share this. Um, subscribe to it. Do whatever you have to do. The more people that do that, the more these stories and these conversations get out, and I'm really hoping that one day, um, one day soon, this will be something that I get to do as a full-time 
job um, on top of my other full-time job of course but this is an absolute blast sincerely appreciate it check the show notes for all social media handles anything that came from the episode we'll have everything down there and i hope you really did enjoy it so if there's anything i can do better please make sure to reach out uh, my email address michael period one at gmail please make sure to check me out on linkedin uh, on instagram and and just reach out because i'm willing to answer any questions and hey if you got a cool story i'd love to have you on as well so thank you so much sincerely appreciate it and i hope you make it a wonderful day